Hello, and welcome to the Original Remake Podcast, where we discuss and compare an original film and its remake. Hello, and welcome to the Original Remake Podcast, where we discuss and compare an original film and its remake. Ultimately, we seek answers to three questions. Does the remake do justice to the original? And if you just watch the remake, do you get a good sense of why the original was successful or not successful and thus remade? But most of all, which movie to watch, the original or the remake? Okay, welcome to another episode of uh, Original Remake. Uh, Today is actually the very first time where one half of the host is actually here. Um, Unfortunately, Mike Denniston was unable to bring his A-game to this episode. Uh, I I think he can... uh, I don't know. I was going to go with a joke, but it wasn't funny. (laughs) But I had to call on a a fellow Oregonian to kind of step in uh, his place here. So a bit of a a West Coast takeover. So joining me today is guest uh, Seth Heasley from the uh, Take Me To Your Reader podcast. How are you doing, Seth? Doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you uh, so much for uh, joining me on uh, short notice to talk about Ocean's Eleven today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, For those that aren't familiar with your podcast, can you tell them a little bit about uh, what you guys do over there? Sure. So like you said, it's called Take Me to Your Reader. Um, It's a podcast that we've been doing about two years. I do it with my friends and running partners, James and Colin, and we cover adapted science fiction. So I was thinking about it actually yesterday in my car as I was driving, and I'm like, it's actually kind of a lot like original remake because the original in our case is instead of a film, it's a written work of some kind, a short story, novella, or a novel. And then the remake and or remakes sometimes are actually films. So we might take something like Total Recall, which is based on a Philip K. Dick short story called We Can Remember It For You Wholesale. And we'll read that and we'll watch the movie. And then there's also a remake movie. And we'll just kind of think about what we thought of everything, you know, the the written, the original movie and the remake and what we like the best. So it's good stuff. There you go. What what are some uh, episodes that, uh, in your opinion, maybe listeners should start with if they want to check out your podcast? Well, I kind of deliberately brought up Total Recall because I feel like it's a pretty good place to start. It's a film a lot of people have seen. Um, a lot of people probably have even seen the remake film. And crucially, the short story that is based on it is pretty short and it is pretty widely available. So that's that's a good place to start. Well, there you go. Okay, uh, so for Ocean's Eleven, uh, the the original, it came out in uh, 1960. It's uh, directed by Lewis Milestone and stars uh, the Rat Pack and a bunch of other people. You got uh, Frank Sinatra, uh, Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr., Peter Lawford, Joey Bishop, uh, and Angie Dickinson is actually the your, your main... Um, your your main cast, I suppose, and it, the list kind of goes on. It's, it's quite a bit of people uh, in this movie. Uh, a gang of uh, war veterans, I, I guess you know, from mm-hmm. the World War Two. Uh, they're uh, from the eighty second Airborne, so they're paratroopers. They decide to rob five casinos on New Year's Eve, uh, and that's pretty much the plot of that movie. Uh, Seth, can you tell us a little bit about the remake? Sure. So the remake is from 2001, directed by Steven Soderbergh. Kind of like the original, it has the star-studded cast. Um, we've got George Clooney, Matt Damon, Andy Garcia, Julia Roberts, Brad Pitt, Carl Reiner. Um, and pretty similar plot, 
it, a lot of the details are different. Instead of it being a bunch of military veterans, it's just a kind of a slapped together team where George Clooney still plays Danny Ocean and he collects a bunch of people to rip off, in this case, three casinos. And he's doing it to try and get his wife back. So that's kind of the difference in the plot. Yeah. And now uh, before for this uh, review, have you seen the original before? I had actually uh, a number of years ago. My wife and I were kind of going back, trying to catch up on some kind of classics of earlier times. And, and we were just kind of working our way through. I think we had recently seen Ocean's Eleven and I found out that it was a remake. I didn't even know at the time. So, yeah. And and you also, uh, in what order did you watch these? Do you watch the original first? You mean leading up to the podcast? Yes. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I I, uh, I as well. I watched the original first before the remake, and uh, I too have seen the original. And upon this review, I I actually don't recall anything at all whatsoever. Pretty much so, exactly my my take. Yeah, so that was very interesting. It was um, it was really like watching a brand new movie. I did, however, remember the um, I, I don't know if you want to call it a twist. It's more of a reveal of the ending of the original. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that I kind of remembered, but uh, as far as the other stuff, um, I, I did not. Yeah. So um, okay, so let's uh, kind of get into this a little bit. You mentioned that the uh, you pointed out one of the big differences was that uh, the cast. You know, the the cast in the original. They are um, guys who served with each other in World War II in the 82nd Airborne uh, versus these um, other guys. They basically are recruited by uh, Danny and uh, Russ, who is played by Brad Pitt. And what did you think about uh, that difference, first of all? Because with them having served previously before, you already have that trust, you know, amongst one another where, you know, George Clooney and Russ, they're recruiting these people just by kind of word of mouth. Like th there's yeah. no trust there. You know, there's no pre-notion that these are people that we can really trust. So uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I thought it was interesting. It's it's like in the remake movie, Danny Ocean was counting on human nature to to not to build the trust, but like I can count on these people to be greedy and to want to be in on this huge thing. So I... With the the original, you you like you said, you had that built in. Okay, we're old army buddies. You know, there's there's the trust and everything. But I I feel like the film kind of played on that and didn't give us a real good flavor of who all the different people were. It's just okay, they're old army buddies, so we'll just go with it. And and they didn't give a lot of actual color to to who the different characters were. The the one thing. Um... The one thing with them all knowing each other, we do get a sense that they all respect Danny in yeah. some capacity. That keeps coming up. What do you think about this character, uh, As uh, As Asabos? I, I don't know how to pronounce the name. The, oh, he, oh, the guy organizing oh, it, right? Yeah, yeah. Basically, almost – I when I was watching the original, I was like, oh, okay, he's like the Saul character. But then watching the remake, he's not like the Saul character. No. The Saul character is more of like a nod to his character, but – um, yeah, and and he was kind of like the Elliot Gould character from from yes. the remake. There um, you go, pulling pulling the strings, and I feel like he was kind of played for comedy. Here's the foreign guy; he's funny. Yeah, uh, but I, and I don't know if that's like a 1960 sensibility. I don't know. I wonder so, if it was. I I found him just a tad bit obnoxious. Like he yeah. wasn't quite working for me. Yeah, I'm with you. Okay. Um, I feel like part of the 1960 film that 
it's possible. It's just like guys of our generation aren't going to get um, just it being a Rat Pack film. Mm-hmm. You know, if that is like a built-in audience that the film would have had. And so it's, I think it's maybe a, a tall order for somebody from, from our generation to, to just be like, yeah, we're totally on board with those characters. We don't need you to tell us a lot about them. We already know them um, because we just don't. Mm-hmm. The, one of the, uh, I know you mentioned there was a, uh, wasn't a whole lot of color uh, amongst the characters, but there's, there's a lot of people obviously, Yeah. but I feel like the ones that they do give us like a backstory on, it just goes on and on and on. Totally. Yeah. Like it's almost, it's almost like a series of webisodes, you know, where, yeah. where each character that we get introduced to, we just get this, this massive backstory for, for like the handful of them. Um, I know Danny Ocean, we get a little bit about him. We, we, we obviously know he's a, a, a two-timer, maybe even a three-timer, right. depending on the women. Yeah. Um, Sam played by Dean, uh, Martin. I don't, I don't think we get too much from him. We don't. Uh, yeah. Nothing from Sammy Davis who plays Josh Howard. Now, Jimmy Foster, we, we get a pretty good subplot with him, uh, played by Peter Lawford. Oh, he's you know, the rich he's, one, right? He's the rich one. Um, Th- that's you know, one of my favorite scenes in the movie, actually, when he's calling his mom and asking for money. And Dean Martin's yeah. sitting there playing around on the piano and like emoting, reacting to everything that, uh, that Lawford is actually doing on the phone. That scene was cool. Yeah. And you know what? I wouldn't mind a movie about Jimmy Foster. Yeah. You, you know, like uh, this – his – his story was almost like it could have been a different movie on its own yeah. because that uh, his his backstory introduces the character of Duke Santos played by uh, Mr. Joker himself, uh, Cesar right. Romero. Yeah. And I did not realize how tall Cesar Romero Seriously. is. Seriously, Yeah. I had to look it up. I'm like, how, wow. how tall is he? Uh, I think he's six, four, six, three, six, four. Oh, so, wow. That's, so that's it, nuts. It makes you think Frank Sinatra was not very tall because no. when, when he stood up next to him, he looked shrimpy. <laughs> They were very, yeah, he was very shrimpy. Um, so that, that was a very interesting story too, because, uh, you know, the Duke, he is set to, uh, marry Jimmy's mother. And then obviously his uh, character comes into a, a bigger role towards the end of the original. So there's nothing like that, uh, whatsoever in the, in the remake. Um, right. I guess, I don't know. It, it'd be really reaching, but I mean, the Andy Garcia. Yeah. That's the closest parallel I could draw just because he's connected. You know, yeah. with, maybe with mafia. And, yeah. and so there, there's kind of that, that idea that the Andy Garcia character is, is pretty dirty on, on the back end. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this is like, uh, you know, it being a product of his time, but I feel it was, you know, a, a little weak in my opinion in, in the recruiting of some of these, uh, these guys in the, uh, original movie where I think at least three guys were, they're like, no, you know, they, they, they turn them, they turn them down. Um, yeah, uh, Sam and Danny, and then you know, subsequently, following w- uh, them turning them down, something happens where they're like, "Okay, well, well I I'm in now." Yeah, yeah. You know, with um, let's see, Tony uh, Bergdor- Bergdorf, who gets released from jail, right? He turns it down, and then, then he goes to the doctor. Sudden, goes to the doctor, and I don't know if it's a tumor or some kind of cancer. That was what I was confused about. I'm like, didn't he say something about a biopsy and there's an x-ray there? I'm like, it's, you know, it's all these Rat Pack guys died of smoking, essentially. Um, so I, that's what I thought it was. I thought it must be cancer. But then when he actually passes away, it's a heart attack. A heart so, attack is what they said. And, yeah. But 
But um, that's I, I think that's just their observation. You know, obviously we see Sam and Danny. Um, you know, the, uh, they witness uh, Tony crossing the street and having what appeared to be a heart attack. But yeah. I know there's a drop line later on where they're kind of telling one of the other guys, and they're like, "Well, the cops got there before we did, so we didn't really get to see him." So yeah. I think they're assuming, but I think it's also a safe assumption. But you're right. I mean, he kind of yeah. does kind of grab for his heart and and pass. You know falls over in the middle of the street. Yeah. Yeah. So w- one thing that I felt like my wife and I are watching it and I, at some point she asked, how long is the movie? And so I paused it and I saw we were an <laughs> hour in and nothing had happened. And it's yeah. like, a, it's like a two hour movie. And so then I thought, well, okay, it's an hour movie. We're halfway in, nothing's happened. So the rest of it's really just going to pick up. And I still thought that last hour was slow. Yeah. Um, because once once you start getting to the actual setup of the heist, it's like they went, well, we've got eight minutes of footage of everybody setting up the heist. It's pretty much exactly the same thing over and over, and it just repeats five times. Um, so, yeah, that was – I didn't feel like that was very well executed. I felt it was a shorter movie crammed into a longer movie. Yeah, you're you're not alone there. I uh, – to myself, it, it was a very – it was a very tough watch in the second half of the movie. You know, uh, you know, I already mentioned it that I was really enjoying the Jimmy Foster, um, you know, backstory. But once they get to the planning, the planning was okay. That the in was itself okay. was long, you know. Um, but I did enjoy the, the the planning. But the actual setting up and executing the plan, you're right. You, you get a bunch of just a, a bunch of different little things, which you yourself was like well, what is going on, you yeah. know, and some things just go on for too long. And uh, I don't think the payoff was e- even worth it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I felt like, like they showed the guys doing the, the spraying the luminescent paint or whatever mm-hmm. over and over and over. I'm like, no, we, we got it. We know what they're doing. They're, they're marking <laughs> the door that they're going to have to hit when the power goes out. So I, I thought, you know, the plan was clever. The idea to yeah. rewire it so that when the emergency power kicks in, it actually cracks open the, the areas that you need to get into rather than turning the lights back on. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the execution of that. Uh, I had a couple other things. Um, you know, Sammy Davis Jr. and Dean Martin, you know, just tremendous singers, pr- tremendous performers. And both of them, I feel like in this film are really warm, really engaging, but it just sets off in a stark contrast against Frank Sinatra, who's a yeah. total cold fish. Yeah. I could not connect with him as as the main guy. I would have rather had uh, oh, who was the other guy? Um, Jimmy. Oh, Jimmy Foster. Yeah, and it sounded like he was the officer too. Where where Frank Sinatra was a sergeant. Sergeant. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that that was another thing that yeah, with them being former military, they did have ranks. And I was surprised when they called upon Danny Ocean to to um, you know to kind of present the plan that they referred to him as Sergeant Ocean. I'm like, oh, so he's. He's an enlisted character. He's not even an officer like right. like, like Jimmy and I don't know if Sam was, but um, yeah, I, I kind of got the impression that because um, Jimmy was so rich that like his officer position was a privilege, a mm. privileged thing, and so may, maybe in terms of tactics and that kind of stuff in the field, you you might go with the platoon sergeant. Okay, okay, I can I can kind of see that. I don't, you're the one who's been in the military, so. Yeah, yeah, it, the, the things have definitely changed, but I, I, I do like that. Um, you know, him coming from money, being a little privileged, perhaps he had the schooling to actually go, you know, kind of 
straight into being an officer as opposed to actually having to work up the ranks. Yeah. Uh, what What did you think about, uh, you know, you kind of brought it up, Sammy Davis Jr. and also uh, Dean Martin kind of singing throughout the song. I mean, I know uh, Sammy Davis has kind of the one uh, the one scene really where it's almost like a musical, but then Dean Martin, yeah. yeah, he has like three numbers at least throughout the movie. Yeah. I think you're not going to get a Rat Pack film without somebody doing some singing. And my biggest gripe is the Sammy Davis Jr., the the EO11 mm -hmm. uh, song that he does. And it's so badly lip synced. Um, <laughs> and it just bugs the crap out of me in movies because like you can tell, I, I'm a singer actually, and you can tell when somebody's really actually singing. Mm -hmm. And, and there's a difference between lip syncing and singing and then having it dubbed. And, okay. and when, when Sammy is doing his, his number, it's total lip syncing. It, it doesn't look like there's any force behind what he's doing. And it, yeah, it just took me right out of it. Um, I will say though, in terms of the things that I remembered from this movie, I remembered that song. Mm -hmm. and, I did and, too. And I remember that Dean Martin sang, uh, ain't that a kick in the head. So like the, the musical things were the only things I remembered. The, um, the, speaking on the on the lip syncing and kind of the, uh, is it called the AR where where they add like the audio afterwards? I I, uh, I think ADR. The term. ADR. Okay. Yeah. And now when we first see uh, who's the foreigner again? I'm I can't remember blanking on his name. Uh, oh, uh, Asabos. It's funny because they all call him something different. Like the I know there's that the Lewis Jackson guy calls him like Acebos. Mm -hmm. You know, um, but yeah, Asabos, this this character, when we first see him, it almost sounds like he was ADR yeah. because uh, who, who is he talking to? He's talking to the guy that keeps playing with the cards. It's um, Curly. No, not not Curly. Uh, Mushy, Mushy O'Connor's uh, played by Joey Bishop. I think that's right. who it is. Yeah. And uh, so th they have, you know, a lot of scenes together where uh, Asabos, he's he is so high strung and obviously this is the you know times before cell phones and pagers where right. you can't easily get a hold of people so he is you know constantly panicking and you know just wondering where each and one of these guys are because they're not showing up on time and we got this you know thing where uh, Danny and Sam are constantly playing jokes where they're yeah, pranking, you know, him, pranking him over the phone. Yeah. So every time, not every time, I guess, but a lot of times when I see uh, a Sabos, it almost looks like he's, his audio isn't even in the same room. Cause you don't, you don't yeah. hear that, that, that organic echo in the room mm -hmm. like the other guys. Did you catch that at all? Or is that I, me? I did just like in terms of a consistency of their sound, there were lots of them where I thought, okay, that sounds like it's just on a soundstage someplace. And at other times there was like a real echo where it sounded like it was genuinely outdoors. And then other times, yeah, it's this like a fuller sound that sounded like it was just dubbed in afterwards. Okay. Um, what, what are your thoughts about the, uh, the difference in the um, maybe not characterization, but the, the relationship between uh, Danny Ocean and his wife in, in both movies in the original, he, uh, he has his wife that I, I don't know their actual situation. They're not separated or anything, right? They're actually, they are just married, but they're kind of, yeah, I think they're estranged. Distant. Okay. Yeah. They're, estranged is a great word. And um, the remake isn't that far off where, y you know, they, they are estranged, but he was also locked up for five years, which right. is, uh, you know, the big difference between that relationship and uh, I, I guess how, whatever went down before him being put in jail, she sent him divorce papers while he's away, yeah. I believe. 
Yeah. So, so they are. I did uh, like that line. I promised to write. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, I, I really enjoyed their uh, that scene of them together. Oh, oh yeah, uh, that crackled. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Julia Roberts and George Clooney. So I, I really, I really bought that relationship between the two. So uh, I really did enjoy that, and I really did buy George Clooney as a man, you know, kind of longing for for this wife that he felt he lost. Yeah. So um, I do like their relationship a lot better. Yeah, I felt like in the 1961, um, you know, it, it kind of goes back to the way I was seeing Frank Sinatra and his character as just being kind of cold. Mm-hmm. And so you could you could certainly understand how he could be estranged from a wife. Um, oh, sure. I will say Angie Dickinson looked beautiful in that movie. So, yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, looking beautiful, I I didn't know Shirley MacLaine was in this movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And she has a, uh, you know, a bit of a cameo here where she has a, a pretty comedic scene uh-huh. where she's this uh, drunk Super young drunk. woman. Yeah, yeah. And her lines were really nice. And this movie actually pointed out a couple of things that I didn't even realize was um I guess maybe a fad at that time, but Shirley MacLaine's character actually has really short hair, kind of like a, like a, uh, what is it called? Like a pixie girl or pixie yeah. something haircut. I, I don't know. Sorry, I'm not, not an expert on that. <laughs> no. Okay. I, I know there's page boy. That's another short one. Um, hmm. I don't know what you'd call hers though. Yeah. So. But, but yeah, her hair was kind of short, almost like Julia Roberts and hook. I, I would say, Oh yeah. Maybe shorter. Yeah, that was not a good look for Julia Roberts. <laughs> no, it wasn't. I, I don't think that was a good role for Julia Roberts, actually. True. But yeah. And uh, So uh, you're mentioning that scene. I'm sorry, I interrupted okay. you. Um, no, no, go ahead. Since, we're, okay. since If it's still this scene, we'll continue on. Yeah. So like – and this goes back to my point about Frank Sinatra and being so cold because Dean Martin is so warm in that scene, so engaging. Mm, um, mm-hmm. I Like I really enjoyed that. And it had, didn't have anything to do with anything. But, no, it didn't. But like it's a character moment. And, um, I just, I, I thought that was one of the best scenes in the movie and it kind of felt like it was ad libbed almost. You know what? I did read a little bit about the trivia, uh, prior to the recording and there are a lot of scenes, including that particular one with uh, Shirley McLean. There were a lot of scenes that were ad libbed and you know, it's funny. You take away the plot of trying to rob Vegas. It's almost actually a very good different movie. Yeah. Um, one of the other fads that I was going to point out in this movie that I saw that really threw me off was there was a a TV reporter that had the no mustache but goatee only kind, yeah. kind of look. Uh-huh. So I didn't realize that was, you know, could have been even a thing back in 1960. So, yeah. so, so that was interesting to see. Um, I think those were the only two uh style, you know style the, the the short hair for Shirley McLean and then just the the goatee only look for this TV reporter so i yeah. I, I did notice that um okay what what do you think about the the different motivations for for this robbery where the original it there's it's kind of a, a weak one i mean there's really no big motivation it's just them being greedy and having the uh the past experience of having these little raids together so it's almost kind of like a like a like a hoorah kind of thing let's let's relive the the old days before we get even older uh, kind of thing uh, versus the the remake where um the underlining motivation is Danny Ocean trying to get back at this guy who has essentially stolen his wife or taken his yeah. wife from him. Yeah, no, I'm right right there with you on that. I, I felt like, are we supposed to be rooting for these guys in 1960 to, to just straight up steal money? Um, I mean, I guess, I guess everybody knows that 
casinos are a little crooked, you know, um, that, that they basically steal money from people all the time. Only the people know, know what they're getting into. Um, so I wasn't, I wasn't quite sure how to feel about, about that whole thing. You know, it was it was it just like, hey, we served our country, we deserve this. Hmm. That's a. I didn't but, get that, but that's a a very interesting question. Yeah, you I'm, I'm not I'm not with that though. I I don't I don't hold with that. Yeah, yeah. I I I think I'm in the same boat. I didn't quite. I, I don't think I was rooting for the 1960s guys at, at all. Um, just because they they to me they didn't make it very clear as to why they were doing this, and also. Speaking of like the the whole planning, prior to the actual planning, we kind of get a, a round robin in the room of what uh, a good chunk of them would do with the money. We don't get them all, but we do get a handful of them. Uh, did any of those stick out to you uh, as to like, okay, you know, I can I can get down with that, or you're just like, that, that's it's not a very good reason, or you know, obviously it's up to them what they want to do with the money, but it, it just yeah. didn't sound like these were good reasons to be robbing a casino you know like it wasn't worth it i guess yeah. is yeah. what i'm getting at I, I i'm gonna be honest with you i like i don't remember any of the reasons and the, and I, I feel like it's the way the story was told that i didn't care you know what maybe it was ad-libbed that that, that could, be, that, could yeah. be that that could be it the one that stuck out only because it made me raise my eyebrow and go you know what i i might do that myself uh one of them i forget which one he says that he would produce his own pictures oh nice yeah go on See, go into the film business yeah, film biz, you know, business, have some money and produce some properties. Maybe I'm a fan of that. I would like to see, uh, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, instead it extended in another installment of of, uh, of a certain franchise or, mm -hmm. you know, tra uh, adaptations of sorts. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can I, I would do that if I had uh, millions of dollars. So uh, but yeah, some of the other stuff I, I don't even remember because I. I Quite frankly, I didn't care. You know, just yeah. like that didn't sound like a good enough reason for this risk. You, you know, of potential being locked up for a very long time. Yeah. Um, what did you think about um, uh, about maybe some of the roles in in the planning of uh, of both heists? In the original, five of the characters, uh, and, and remember, these guys all served together in the eighty second Airborne uh, back in the forties. Uh, I think is what was mentioned but five yeah. of them happen to actually work at the casino as well yeah i thought that was a little convenient like did they just get these jobs it didn't seem like it especially with uh dean martin's character he, he's already uh, a he's singer. an entertainer right yeah he's an entertainer already uh, at one of them and uh um, sammy davis I, I guess he's actually a sanitation technician you know right. i guess that that uh picks up trash from these casinos and that's a little a little racist to have him play that <laughs> character. I, I did read that Sammy Davis Jr. himself had to stay at an all blacks hotel during the Seriously? filming of this. Yeah. Wow. And uh, Frank Sinatra really fought for him to go stay with them uh, at the same hotel and uh, uh, eventually ended up winning that fight. So, you know, they, they, they stick together, but that's, that's kind of crazy to hear. That is, that's, that's nuts. Um, wow. You, you kind of forget that it was, not only really that long ago that that kind of stuff happened. You're right. Absolutely. And, uh, you, you know, they, they had that little scene too, where they kind of paint their faces black too, you know, <laughs> so, so they, they have a little race joke in there. Um, yeah. yeah it, 
I didn't find it funny, but you know they, they were trying to make light of that, yeah, I guess. Yeah. You know, and Sammy Davis was in on the joke as well too. But right. yeah, you're, you're right. The, the the five guys that happened to work at the casino was very convenient. It didn't seem like they were uh, brand new. Where uh, I liked how they handled it in the remake with uh, Bernie. Um, Bernie Mac's character, uh, rest mm-hmm. in peace. Um, yeah, where he was a transfer from New York, was it New Jersey? Uh, Atlantic City. Yeah. Okay. New Jersey. Atlantic, yeah, Atlantic City. So he was a transfer, and I liked how uh, that that scene was um, was played as well, where we we get this all in kind of a, like a, like a montage fashion, uh, where we see Bernie Mac. He goes to you know his supervisor or whatever it is, and he's coming down with bronchitis and has this right. puppy dog look and uh-huh. is asking for a transfer to a warmer climate. So, so I really liked that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let me see. What were some of the other ones? They, they well, picked up the Mormon twins, which yes. uh, was also a nod to the Salt Lake city situation in the, in the original, oh, I feel. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this though. Like mm-hmm. in terms of effective storytelling, if I asked you name, not necessarily the names of the characters, but, um, what the various characters did. Could you think you could get all 11 in the original? Yeah. No. <laughs> okay. Because I feel like the way they introduced the characters in the remake was they introduced them, giving them a little character moment, kind of explaining something about them um, before you even necessarily knew their names. And so like I could rattle off all 11 roles in the remake, but I can't rattle off all the, all the roles in, in the original. And part of that is that there's a lot of redundancy, right? Because there's one right. guy at each casino spray painting the door. Um, and there's the electrician, you know, I could, I think I could probably do it, but there's not, there's not the same uniqueness to the roles that there, that there is in the remake film. Well, actually you just mentioned it. The, um, well, you said electrician, but uh, it, it just made me think Sammy Davis Jr.'s character, uh, Josh Howard, he's a demolition expert as well. Uh, not only just, you know, happens to be working as a sanitation technician, oh, okay. but that's his counterpart, Don Cheadle, same thing. Um, yeah. Why do you think Don Cheadle's character had an accent? I don't know, but it was a brutal accent, dude. Not only was it brutal, but he was kind of playing up on like the the kind of stereotypical um like I, I guess not phrases, but like like some of his uh his dialogue. I don't know if they were ad libbed, but like he there was a couple of times where he kept on dropping like a quote unquote uh British um, colloquialisms. Yeah, thank you. I, yeah, I would never have come up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So th- little things like Bonnie that. Bonnie Rebel, trouble. Yeah, exactly. So that that really bothered me because I yeah. didn't understand it, and I, I know it's supposed to be played for funny, but. I just like nobody was, uh, to my knowledge at least, what was English in the original. So I, I don't no. know what the direction was with that. Um, yeah, I I question the decision to make him English. I mean, like you could have gotten one of the guys from Snatch, you know, who's actually English. Sure, um, maybe the, Brad Vincent Pitt. and so on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> sure, uh, Brad Pitt re- reprises his character. There we go. Yeah, um, but yeah, I that was a strange decision to have him have that accent, and then and so. From what I understand, I, I was actually um, watching the movie with the commentary on from Steven Soderbergh and the and the writer oh, as okay. well, uh, Jerry Weintraub, and um, they said that they did some of the scenes with him not having the accent, but they ended up liking it. And so I, I'm like, how how could you like that accent? I mean, right. I mean, like I'm an accent guy. I I really like I love imitating accents and learning, learning how to do them and just learning about language and that kind of stuff. And so a bad accent just takes me right out of things. 
Yeah. No, that's interesting that they tried both ways. And I wonder how far they got before they decided, no, Don Cheadle, you do that accent. That is funny stuff. Yeah. You know, because again, like who wrote his dialogue? Was it ad-libbed? You know, uh, so yeah, that's that's a very interesting. Uh, I, I actually want to go back to something that you brought up that uh, running down the list, you couldn't tell like what each of some of these uh, people did. Do you want to try doing that? Uh, we'll we'll kind of just go, you know, through the original, and then we'll go through the remake, see what we can kind of remember with some of these characters. Yeah, sure. All right. So, um, Danny Ocean, Frank Sinatra. He's the idea man, right? He's okay. he's kind of the, he's the the general. He's pulling he, all the strings. He's walking around most of the time. Doesn't doesn't do a whole lot. A lot of opening doors. Yeah, and and there's several of them. I mean, like like I said, there's there's. Since they're doing it at the five different places simultaneously, they have to spread out the crews. You know, they're they're not going from one casino to the other, and that, we'll get back to that. It's an innovation in the in the remake film where all the money was in one spot. Mm-hmm. Um, but so you have Frank Sinatra, or I guess Danny Ocean, who is kind of the idea guy, but then he ends up being one of the guys who goes into the cage to pick up the money, right? And, yeah, and, and and to demand that the guys start singing "Old Lang Syne." Yes. Which I thought was weird. It, it was weird. You know, and, and during that little, I, I guess you can call it their version of a montage as well. But one of the things that kind of I, I found, and, and I'm sure this was a great idea at the time. M- maybe you may like it. But one of the things that kind of um, kind of bothered me was the trying to show the distinction that they were in different casinos while it being robbed. Uh, every time a a safe was opened, it is the identical safe except for there's the um the uh the the wording of whatever casino is on the door as they open it and each oh, okay. safe happens to be some kind of like a flash of like a different color so we also know that it's also a, a different casino yeah. and 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 that kind of i, I want to kind of um couple that up with the the transition during the countdown and the kissing moment, uh, you know, during the the, the New Year's countdown, uh-huh. but they 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 used this terrible transition with a balloon, this red balloon. That was bizarre. Yeah, so that that really bothered me. Did you so 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 you found that bizarre? What do you think of the the different color themes, like in between casinos? Like I, I felt they were kind of beating us over the head. Like hey, hey, this is a different casino, just so you know. Right. Yeah, it's not just a redressed set. Um, right. It's actually a different casino. Yeah. The, the other thing they did was the different um, patterns that the guys did with the paint. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, know, for so the one, door. One guy did like a like an E or like a three or something. Or a C. E. Yeah. Yeah. And I wasn't sure what those represented. Um, I I don't think I don't think it's supposed to be anything. I think it's another one of those like, hey, this is a different door, and they spray painted something different on it that yeah. only they can see. So yeah. So I mean, I don't know. Again, possibly a product of his time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sam Harmon, Dean Martin. Okay, so he's behind the piano, basically. Yeah, it's kind of hard to say what his actual role was. Um, I I guess, was he one of the guys who actually went into the, the cage to grab the money? Possibly, since I he's think, already kind of there. See? So, you yeah. know what? May, maybe we just leave it at that. Like, <laughs> Yeah. It, it's already two people in. We're still kind of like, okay, well, I can tell you this. Hemi Davis Jr. picks up all the money bags uh, in the trash. Right. And and then we get like uh, again five different cuts of different bags being thrown in the thrown in the trash and also being picked up. Um, yeah. So it's I, just I, I want to see a cut of the movie where Sammy, Sammy Davis Jr. just drives off with all the money. 
Yeah, sure. <laughs> and his his character was a little I, I don't say over the top, but his character was definitely a character. You know, like uh yeah. there's a part where he's driving the the garbage truck and you know um uh there's cops that's you know kind of you know they're checking every vehicle to see if you know people have money or whatever and yeah. Sammy Davis pulls up and he's like oh what's all what's all the excitement here and the cop was going to question him something and then he kind of changes the subject and the cop's like all right well just get this trash can out or garbage can or sorry garbage truck out of here yeah and then uh i don't know like yeah his character was 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 a little much um but i can tell you that's what he did and he also has that you know kind of cool scene where he's setting up the C four or whatever explosive it is, mm-hmm. you know, on the on the tower. What, what um, did you think of the big special effects shot when the actual uh, electrical tower came crashing down? Oh, clearly a miniature, <laughs> yeah. clearly a miniature. Which you know, I respect. I do too. I I actually am a fan of uh, practical effects, so yeah, I totally. I appreciate them uh, doing that and not try to uh, use like animation or something. I don't know. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, how, how do you think they pulled off the um, the look of the 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 what, what is it like? You know, the spray paint is, is that like some kind of, some type of infrared that you can see through glasses? Yeah, so I, I was a little confused with that. Where even in the dark, I think you had to have the glasses on, right? Because if if you yes. didn't, then everybody in the casino would have seen it when the lights went out, right? Because uh, because when is it Cornel? Cornel is the one that uh, talks to um, Josh. Uh, Again, Sammy Davis and Cornel is played by Henry Silva. So Cornel's like, yeah, you know, I've been spray painting this. I haven't been able to see anything. Does it even work? And then Sammy Davis put the glasses like, on. Yeah, put the glasses on or there start eating like, that trash can. There was like oh, there was sorry. two things. I, I think it was. I, I think he was like, here, try this. And, the, and then Cornel's like, well, I still can't see it. And then he goes, okay, try it with the sunglasses. Or, yeah. or like, well, why did you just give it? give him like everything all at once. Like why right. do we have to go through these little steps? Like, well, try this way, try this way. I think, I think that's kind of just his character, right? He wanted to mess with him a little bit. Okay. They all seem to want to mess with one another. It's just yeah. like, and, and you know, army buddies, I guess I get that. Yes, I do too, but they're trying to pull off some kind of, you know, what what they're doing right now. It, it, there should be no room for it, it's high stakes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah absolutely. There's some kind no of pun play. in that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let, let's talk about the the characters from the uh, the remake. You know where I, I feel we'll clearly be able to kind of point out each uh, what each and one of them does. Danny Ocean, same thing. You know he's kind of the the guy that's kind of uh, running everything. The the head guy here who kind yeah. of temporarily gets removed uh, from his position because of the uh, the conflict of interest. Um, right. And and going back to kind of the the everybody messing with everybody, I feel mm-hmm. like that part where he gets removed from you know being co captain is kind of them messing with the uh, Linus character, the Matt Damon character, because they have they have to push him into a, a larger role. Oh, right. Um, but but yeah, you you got him and Brad Pitt, the Rusty character, who are kind of the co captains, right? Yes. And and Rusty has that crucial thing where he actually calls Benedict to tell him he's being robbed, which I thought was a great a great twist. Yeah. Um. You had Linus, who's the pickpocket. Right. And it, evidently Matt Damon did actually do all the pickpocketing. And so like in the scene where, where he picks Benedict's pocket, okay. like the first, when I watched it the first time, I thought, okay, they're saying that he, he, he pulled that out of his pocket, but he didn't. But actually Matt Damon did. And Steven Soderbergh wanted to kind of do a special uh, effect on that to show that he's actually making the lift right there. Okay. Um, but he felt like, felt like it'd be too much. So, well, um, I, but evidently his hands were real quick. So. Really? Okay, that's that's interesting. I was gonna say, um, I I believe it, but how effective is he? Like, like I wonder if the other person 
can actually feel him lifting, you know, something from from their pockets. Yeah, I like mean, he, he might be fast, but how good is he as far as like do they feel it? Right. Are you talking about Matt Damon? Or are you talking Matt about Damon. Linus? Okay, My, uh, Matt Damon. Yeah. Yeah, you wonder how how skilled he really is at it. Um, exactly. But, you know, selective attention, right? Somebody bumps into you. That's what you're paying attention to, not not the sensation of something being lifted out of your pocket. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Don Cheeto, again, pretty much the same character as uh, his counterpart in Sammy Davis Jr. He's the uh, yeah. explosive expert. Okay. Um, I did like that scene where he's setting off the pinch and he's like covering his nards. Oh, and, yes. <laughs> like turning sideways. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I like that too. That that was pretty funny. Yeah. the And I, I like the explosion of the, was it a van? I think. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I yeah. think that was kind of a, a, a cool look. Uh, Bernie Mac, you know, he is the kind of, kind of another uh, distraction, right? right? In the casino. In several places. Yeah. Very. Yeah. And, and this one, I, I really like this one because this one actually takes the, uh, uh, Andy Garcia's character, uh, Tony, Tony, right? Tony Benedict, Terry, yeah. Terry, Benedict. Terry, Terry Benedict. Yeah. yeah. It takes him off of the floor because Matt Damon's character plays a, um, like an uh, like an officer from gaming, the, gaming, the commission. gaming commission, yeah, and uh, I kind of I kind of found this a little a little funny, but also a little racist. But you know, it's uh, basically the 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 agent says, "Oh, okay, well, you you hired a uh, ex felon, uh, ex con," mm-hmm. and then like Bernie Mac puts a spin on it. Well, it's you know it's because I'm black, you know, like yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is what this is about. You, you, you might as well be white Jack. Yeah, right. I I love that. I wonder <laughs> that if that was ad lib. That's that's got to be right. That, I mean, that that one wasn't. So I was I was listening to the commentary on that scene, and uh-huh. but the parts where he's like, "You want me to get up on the table for you? you want me you want me to dance for you?" <laughs> um, that that was all ad libbed. But the the white Jack, the the writer's like, "Nope, I'm taking credit for that one." Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. That, that was a funny line. So, um, and then like I, I don't know if this is uh one of those that um, like the character of Linus that that he kind of improvised this or was this um you know that the part where he goes oh you you know uh how, how dare you know how how could you say such a thing about accusing me of that you know uh, you yeah. know and then he talks to terry benedict is like sir you, you should know that the nevada gaming commission you know we we're, we're we encourage hiring of of colored folks or something like that he drops the right. word colored and i'm like now is that linus or is that um you know is, is that like real linus being ignorant or was that kind of like stage to to kind of like further the distraction in the situation right. so yeah i got the impression it was it was deliberate to, uh to have a pretext for bernie mac kind of trying to tackle him okay okay so, can can we talk about bernie mac i mean he's sure. so good in this movie i mean i love the scene where he's at the car dealership yes <laughs> and, and he like won't let go of the guy's hand and he's pulling him closer and and trying to to get him to to drop the price down so and i just I, thought I, I I um I don't have a clear reading of that actual scene. I was he uh, was he playing coming on to the to the car salesman or is he was he trying to uh, manhandle him? You know, by gripping his hand really hard. I I didn't get uh, a I, good not, read on that. I'm not sure that uh, that you can say it was one or the other. Um, I think it was just I'm unsettling this guy okay. to the point that he's going to give me what I want. Yeah. So. Yeah, you're right. That 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 was a really good scene. But I I was kind of like, was was he? Where's he going with this uh, uh, hand lotion talk? And and right. uh, you know, so I I wasn't quite getting it, but I was uh, uh, really enjoying it. Yeah. Um, let see what 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 other scenes. So he's got that. He's got the the one where he's I mean, interrogated. 
yeah, it's it's kind of mainly those two scenes where I think he just really shines. So. Yeah, no, he absolutely does. Uh, okay, what about the the Mormon twins, uh, Scott Kahn and Casey Affleck? Uh, they were we hilarious. First, they are. They're they're definitely the yeah the comedic. Re- I don't know. A lot of them all have pretty funny parts, but but these it's pretty two, broad comedy with with those two. It is. They're they're fraternal twins. When we see them, um, you know, Scott Kahn's characters in this huge monster truck, and Casey Affleck's characters. <laughs> He's got this little toy monster truck, and they're actually, you know, they're racing one another, and they actually kind of go toe to toe before Scott Con characters, uh, you know, runs over the little toy one. But they they yeah. play a couple of different roles, and I actually found it funny every time we see them, they're dressed in some other uniform, playing like yeah, yeah. like a, like a different role in this in this heist. Yeah, well, and I, to some extent, I felt like you know what, Benedict is the kind of guy who would notice repeated faces but on the the other hand i think those guys are just kind of forgettable enough in the way they're playing the characters you know where when they're playing the bodyguards they've got the dark glasses on you know and the suits and they kind of just naturally fade into the background and then they're like um uh well what would you call it bus boys you know at some point and and they're they're like the roles the roles that they're playing are the kind of people that you don't necessarily notice because there's so many of them yeah, and in, in a casino, you know, right. like they're they're part of the background. So, so I felt like that was plausible enough. The the only the, the only one that did uh, for me that that made me think that would stand out is the I think the first time we see them where Casey Affleck's character is like a like a like a balloons delivery man. Yeah, you know, like they have that exchange in the middle of the uh, casino floor. So I think that's the only time where they're actually not like in some kind of uniform. I, I forget what Scott Conn's character actually was doing. Like I, I think he might have been just another bystander k- k- yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah I don't clearly remember that. Uh, Carl Reiner, uh, Saul Bloom. Uh, he is um, he's supposed to play this European high know, roller. Yeah, high roller. That is just uh, another another distraction, I guess. It's well, mm-hmm. because is there a purpose as to as to why he needs to? Uh, I'm sure there's a purpose, but uh, I'm just I'm blanking right now. But he needs to put his uh, the suitcase into like Terry Benedict's vault. Yeah. What what was what was that part of the plan? He's of? the guy who gets the explosives in there to take the door down. Okay. Because then you then you have Yen who's actually inside the vault. He he gets that suitcase, opens it up, and there's like big emerald oh, kind of things. Right there and we those go. Those are the explosives. So yeah, and that yeah. was another thing that the Don Cheadle character did. Yes, and uh, you already brought him up. Yen is a uh, Chinese acrobat that they picked yeah. up, um, and uh, it, it's uh, I found it uh, hilarious when we first hear him actually speak, and it's in Chinese, and then like. Yeah. Uh, uh, Brad Pitt's character Russ, like he knew exactly what he was talking about, but kind of responds right. in and English. answers him in English. Yeah, I yeah. thought that was pretty funny. Evidently, that actor um, did not speak a word of English, and yet um, the uh, on the commentary, Steven Soderbergh was so impressed with him always hitting his his spot, you know, like knowing when to to speak. So, did, did and, they and, did they discuss if he understood English? They didn't actually. So yeah, that's a different question, right? If you speak English versus if you understand enough. And I did like that his one, his one line in English was the tactical f bomb. I I kind of don't remember that. I remember him flipping the birdie. Right. Um. And that uh, looking at the commentary on that was a special effects shot because when he actually did it, uh, his his hand was sideways, and so they had to turn it uh, using special effects. Oh, so, interesting. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, I'll have to go back and check that one out. Yeah. 
Um, let's see here. We got uh, Elliot Gould, you know, who uh, uh, maybe he's, some people. He, he funds been, it, right? Yeah, he, he funds it. Um, but he, he also himself has uh, something against Terry Benedict, and that's how they get him in on it because uh, uh, I guess Terry uh, put his casino out of business. And w- was it his casino that they tore down? Yeah. D- demolished early in the movie. Mm-hmm. So so that's his in. Um, hey, did and- you notice on in some of the scenes in this movie, I felt like it was – shot to kind of look like a film from the 60s or 70s like that that demolition scene everything is so washed out it reminded me of like the godfather part two the the scenes that are set in vegas like that's the style of it just was reminiscent of that and i don't know if anybody else would notice that or i for me i wonder if i i got that in some scenes i i Mm -hmm. i kind of know what you're talking about but i wonder if it's because i watched them back to back like um yeah you know, I I watched the first half of the original one night, and I wasn't able to finish the second because I, I actually fell asleep. But uh, <laughs> so I finished the second half and then watched the remake right after. And so I don't know if that's why maybe I saw some of the things. Like one of the uh, first scenes that I noticed that was when in the beginning of the remake, Danny Ocean is walking through the casino. And I felt like it was an older casino and not a newer one. Hmm. You know, something like that. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Like the little touch of like uh, maybe a little touch of history, perhaps? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it it was cool, though, to see like uh, that scene where I can't remember his name, the Elliot Gould character, um, Um, when he's he's talking about the Tishkoff. Ruben, okay, where he's talking about the most successful robberies in Vegas history. Oh, right. And I thought it was cool that they showed like different eras of the of the casinos. I did too. Yeah, uh, along with the music for, for, yeah. from the era. From you, you, know, yeah. I, you know what I would have liked is uh, possibly, and I don't know if if those are factual. Did they uh, say say that in the commentary? No, they didn't say if they were factual. Okay, I if if they were not, I I think it would have been cool if they threw a nod to the nineteen sixty. Uh, robbery I think that would have been like oh then there was this one robbery where five casinos got hit but I think the point of that particular scene that that little montage with the three robberies was to show that uh, they were unsuccessful yeah Um, so but I I think it still would have been uh, a a nice uh, a nice nod uh, yeah. so we basically talked about everybody except for the the tech guy you know and I like Yes, uh, Livingston, uh, played by Eddie Jamison, and um, you know, not a whole lot. We get it. We need a tech guy. Uh, mm-hmm. I do. I do like his scene where uh, he kind of sneaks in to kind of rig up the cameras, and then he has this uh, moment where he is trying to leave, and he's kind of yeah. stuck in the hallway, and he realizes that he wiped his hand earlier. That had that, you know, he drew a map on, and right. you know, he was in the in the room sweating and kind of rubbed off. Um, so I kind of like that. I, I think that's pretty much he has. Um, and I, I guess, I guess that's pretty much it for the, for the remake. You know, I don't want to go into too much of the, uh, of the actual plan and how it planned out, but I kind of want to go back and talk about the, uh, original a little bit more because after their heist, again, we got this completely different story where like, if it had ended the heist, I probably would have been okay. But yeah. then now we go back to the whole, um, Caesar uh, Romero as mm-hmm. uh, the Duke, and then his, um, I guess, his role in trying to help these casinos uh, get their money back because they are all going to pay him thirty percent. But now he wants to kind of blackmail, you know, the the the, the rat packing crew, you know, into paying him fifty percent to right. keep his mouth shut, basically. 
Yeah. Yeah, I felt like some of that subplot was the, the, like the way they actually dealt with it. We're like, nope, okay, we're just going to basically ignore him. It's an expedient to get them to put the money in the coffin, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So I get that. Maybe you could have done something different. Yeah, and I don't I don't think it was necessary for the Duke to tell Jimmy Foster's mom either because now now he's running over to talk to his mom and then we get that little scene that we didn't need. So right. yeah, it just it just extended the movie in, in a way where I'm like, you know, we we didn't need all of this. Yeah. Yeah, I think if they had wanted to go in some different direction, they could have just had basically the fact that Jimmy had been in the heist like was the the reason that Duke now respected him. And just just go with that, and just leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I could have been okay with that ending, exactly where he's, you know, showing Jimmy's mom the newspaper, and it's like, you know, I respect your son. He's got guts, and then that would be a callback to a conversation they had earlier in the movie, and yeah. I would have been okay with that ending. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, because he's marrying this this rich lady anyway. What's he need all that extra money for? That, You're right. I mean, to our knowledge, he doesn't have anyone to leave it to. Right. You know, so yeah, that's, uh, so, yeah, so that's interesting. So yeah, you're right. They, because of what's going on now, they got to put the the money in the coffin and, you know, the, the body is supposed to be sent to, uh, uh, Frisco for, uh, Tony. Is it Tony? Tony Bergdorf. Ber- yeah. Bergdorf. Yeah. To, to get, uh, to get, um, buried there, you, you know, and I actually kind of forgot how we saw him first and, you know, both you and I are fathers. Right. How did you feel about uh, Tony going to go see his son who's in military school? He's a young kid, probably like seven or eight, I'd imagine. I think they mentioned it, but I forgot. Yeah, uh, I, I thought he was boy. a little, little younger, calling his dad sir. Um, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. to me, it's it's sad, you know, as being being a father, like the idea of being separated from my son. You know, I'm like, I'm not going to prison because cause I don't want that to happen. I don't want to be a stranger to my own kid. And, and and not only that, like I forgot what happens with Tony later on in the movie because remember, like you and I, we we both discussed that we, we like it was like watching a completely different movie, um, not having remember uh, much of the details. But when he hugged his son and his son's like, "Oh, so I'll see you next week," I'm go, "Okay, something bad happens. I does he get yeah. arrested again? Does he go back to jail?" So I I didn't remember that he was the one that died right and uh, i did remember that okay yeah so, so, so that kind of broke my heart you know that i was like oh this is the last time the kid is gonna see his dad you yeah. know so uh yeah so there was that and so instead of having the um the body sent back to frisco the uh his his widow she is uh told by i don't know this guy from the from the morgue basically like hey they got this uh I, what what is it called again? It's like the American League Coalition, or I, basically they're a bunch of veterans. Yeah, right. That uh, w- would be volunteering to be a ball pairs for this uh, uh, Tony. I keep messing it up here. Bergdorf, who mm-hmm. is a war veteran. He's uh, I don't know if he's highly decorated, but they mentioned he's got the Silver Star and Purple Heart, which are very right. hard to yeah, um, yeah. to get. And um, you know, so so they will take care of him there in Vegas, and and you know, plan him there. So, uh, did, do you remember your reaction when you first saw the ending and this big, big twist slash reveal, you know, right. as to what happens with the movies? So this long, excruciating movie that we just sat through <laughs> it finally comes to an end to come to find out that these guys don't get their money. And the only money that was saved, the 10000 is going to the widow of one of their 
one of their uh, comrades. Yeah. I, on one hand, it's it's a downer ending, and I'm I'm okay with a downer ending. I sure. like a twist ending. Um, but but yeah, I I kind of I kind of agree with the way you were phrasing it. Like this is a long movie, and now there's no payoff. Right. Um. So seriously, can, could they not get away with it? Um. I did like sort of the that scene where they all just turn towards each other as they're sitting there in the mm-hmm. pews. Yeah. Um. When they realize what's going on, and and then I liked as they're as they're walking away from the funeral home and there's that Sammy Davis Jr. Just beautiful song going. Yeah. So, you know uh, what I do like about that, 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 uh, that shot that you you speak of where they just, it just keeps panning down as they look towards one another. I do like all of their facial uh, expressions too, you know, how, how different it, it, it all looked. So, uh, so I did really like that. Um, yeah. the, the only thing, like uh, if I had a, a say in how it ended, I would have um, wished that maybe there was some money left, like maybe another yeah. 10,000, you know, uh, 10,000 to the widow and maybe, I don't know, 11,000 to split the rest of them. So now they only get 1,000. So at least yeah. they get something out of it, but, but it's still like a, a big kick in the nuts, you know, that uh, yeah. you didn't get millions, but you got 1,000 between, you know, the 11, 11 of you. So that, that would be it, but it's still, it's still a good ending. Yeah. And, you know, they got the thrill. They They, did. They knew that they pulled it off. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So I guess that brings us to um, kind of the the ending of the review where uh, Mike and I would typically have these uh, three questions, which uh, in recent episodes we kind of been thinking about doing away with. And I I don't have the exact questions uh, with me right now, but uh, one of them is by watching the original, do you get a sense as to why they uh, decided to uh, do a remake? Yeah, and kind of we circling back to what we talked about earlier, where the original film was a Rat Pack film, you know, and so the idea of remaking this, you had to kind of have a star-studded cast uh, for the two thousand one film, and I feel like that's they knew they needed to do that in order to kind of do justice to to the original one, um, and and the reason it was successful is it had that built-in star power, but I think you and I have kind of both said that the star power, if it doesn't, like if it's not your stars then the story of the film doesn't work quite as well. And I feel like you could have cast maybe the 2001 film with some lesser known actors and it still could have worked because the mm-hmm. story was tighter. Yes. Um, on the other hand, you know, the performances are so good from, from like Clooney and Brad Pitt and Julia Roberts that, that I don't know, maybe, maybe if you cast it differently, it wouldn't work. Yeah. But I, I think, and I think the original was successful because of the cast. Yeah, I agree with you um, because, you know, they, they were uh, just uh, very popular guys. Um, and see, uh, so so this is kind of bad on my part that I don't have those questions down. But again, you know, in my defense, we were going to be doing away with it and kind of reworking uh, what we ask at the end. But uh, basically, which one would you prefer, the original or the remake? Oh, th- there's no question. It's the remake all the way. Yeah, I I don't even know how shorter the the remake is, but the original is two hours and nine minutes, and yeah. you know you mentioned it earlier, an hour into the movie they haven't gotten anywhere. Yeah, and in the remake, you when uh, after Russ and Danny hook up, they go straight into a montage of recruiting. They mm-hmm. they do the montage of the planning, and we get to see everything pan out. And there's also a reveal in the remake, which it's just it's very fun. It's very exciting. Um, maybe it's because we grew up on this more of the type of filmmaking. I'm, I'm not sure, but 
I think the only thing that uh, I like about the original is, you know, well, it, it's kind of it was kind of nice seeing them all together uh, planning it out. But even that scene was long. But yeah. I, I do I do like the ending, you know, and I'm glad that they went with a different ending because um, I'm not saying the remakes endings better, but they they're both good endings. And right. I feel like, you know, the original is kind of worth to watch just for that ending if you don't know how it's going to end. Yeah. But it's not one that I can recommend because I, I, I know that somebody's going to be like, well, thanks for two two hours and nine minutes. I'm not going to get back, you know, because right. it's not a bad movie. It's just really long. It it's is. just really long. But it's, uh, it's interesting, though, because the, the remake film is just short of two hours. So maybe okay. it's, you know, 10, 10, 15 minutes shorter, but it does not feel its length the same way that the... 1961 does it doesn't and the only scene that i could think of that they probably could have done without was the one where um rusty russ is is uh you know he's teaching these uh, young stars how to play poker you know it's funny it's funny how none of them know how to play and i forgot which one puts down all his cards and he's like i got all red (laughs) (laughs) and then you look at his hand i think that was tofer nothing okay tofer yeah so he had nothing not even a pair you know he might have had an ace high you know that that was it so i thought that was pretty funny but that scene could have been done without like i wouldn't have missed it but still you you already said it's shy of two hours and so Yeah. yeah the the uh the the original, I mean, I'm sorry, the remake all the way for me uh, w- yeah. would be the one I recommend. So a clean sweep on this episode. Uh, but yeah. I would be very curious to see if uh, Mike has any thoughts on the originals because he he tends to kind of gravitate towards the uh, the older movies a little bit more. But also, mm-hmm. like, uh, he he's, uh, selects a lot of the pairings as well. So he's got, like, this extensive um, uh, collection of, like, Criterion movies, which... I'm like, yeah. I don't know what that is, you know, so, <laughs> so contrasting and uh, taste of movies. So, yeah. um, you know, so one thing, be, I mean, kind of before we totally wrap up, I like mm-hmm. when in a remake, one thing that I like to see is like nods back to the original film mm-hmm. and they, they deliberately didn't mention any Rat Pack people um, on the commentary. They were talking about how they're filming a scene someplace and like on the opposite wall was a big mural of Frank Sinatra mm-hmm. and they deliberately didn't include it because they didn't, they didn't want to to cash in on, on that. Oh, okay. Um, but, but I liked like the fact that, um, that Saul had the fake heart attack. That was right. kind of like a, a nod to the actual death of the character. Yeah. And, yeah. and after seeing that film, then, then I thought, Ooh, is this genuine here? Because, because, you know, the original, the guy actually dies. Right. I, I, I did kind of think that as well, but it, it see that, that scene also, um, I don't, I, I'm not going to say that it was a bad scene, but because we have seen Saul take, what are these tablets he, he's taking? Is like it Rolaids or something? Is it okay? Because I was like, Tums. is it medication? Is because that's what I thought. I thought it was Tums, and so we saw mm-hmm. him, you know, take this a few times. And usually, I feel that he did it when he was getting nervous, not so much for a heart pain. So, uh, in this scene where he's watching, you know, the monitor and uh, kind of watching what's um, going on on the surveillance, he's he's sweating profusely. Oh yeah, and so I thought that maybe his fall could have been real, but and, and I felt like maybe, um, you know, like maybe it could have gone either way. Like it it was real, but obviously it was supposed to be staged because we get Brad Pitt saying like, "All right, that's my cue." So he he knew right. that something was going to happen, but I was just like, "Well, with the way Saul was acting throughout throughout the movie, it wouldn't put it past me that that's actually what would have yeah. happened." Well, they introduced that he wasn't completely well, like that he had an ulcer or something. 
Yeah. So I think that that explains the antacids. Yeah. Um, did you did you catch uh, Henry Silva at the fight? No, I did not. Yeah. So he was he was in there when uh, when Benedict first comes into the arena. Um, he was just kind of there in the background. And he's been in a ton of stuff like uh, Above the Law. Uh, I, I recognize thing. his face. Like when yeah. I, when I saw the young version of him, he he actually even reminds me of. Oh gosh, he, he's a guy on TV right now. Kind of, kind of one of those faces. Kind of like a guy Pierce, but there's another actor that he looks a lot alike. I want to <laughs> say maybe that actor's last name is like uh, something Donovan. Uh, I could be wrong, but yeah, that Henry Henry Silva. He looks uh, the the young young Henry Silva looks like uh, like an actor today. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll have to look that up and and yeah. message you and see what you think. But but um, I, I liked his character too. You know, he's the one that's kind of mm-hmm. like you know, keeping um, Danny updated with what's going on. You know, he's the one that tells Danny like, Hey, that body is not going to Frisco. You know, he's staying here in Vegas. So, yeah. yeah so I did like his character, but yeah, I, I, I would like to go back and, and look at the credits just to see if they mention anybody else or, or whatever. But um, that's interesting. No, I, I did not catch that. So I'm glad you pointed that out. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really quick. It just flies right by. Yeah. So okay, um, so yeah, I, Seth, I want to thank you again for for coming on. This was a lot of fun, and I you know I look forward yeah. for for you uh, joining me uh, in, in the future here for this. Uh, I, I don't know if I mentioned it on mic because I know we mentioned it off mic, but uh, for original remake, Mike and I we will be alternating uh, probably monthly of coming on uh, by ourselves with a, a a guest as a solo kind of thing. So uh, yeah, I'd love to have you return. Yeah, um, that'd be cool. Now, uh, again, for those that uh, missed it, uh, just uh, um, again, you know, a little bit about your podcast and how they can get a hold of you and where can they listen to it? Sure. Um, Well, we are in the iTunes store. Um, Not everybody is, I know, and that's cool. Yeah, like us. Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And you can also find us on Stitcher and on TuneIn Radio. Um, Our website, and this kind of goes back to the fact that we're running buddies, like we go out there, we, we used to like email or text and say, Hey, are we pounding the pavement today? And so when we originally came up with the idea for the podcast, we called it the pavement pounders podcast Mm -hmm. because we liked the alliteration, I guess. Um, but like that was too long for a Twitter handle. And so, so we went with pavement podcast. So Mm -hmm. that's our, that's our, our social media username. And that's also our URL. So it's pavementpodcast.com and all the other links are, are on the website. There you go. And I'll, uh, you know, be sure to include that into the show notes so uh, listeners can uh, check that out for sure. Um, And also, well, I guess I don't do it for original remake, but for those that, uh, and this is funny because Mike and I, we, we always pimp out our shows throughout the entire episode, which I haven't even done. And I feel (laughs) without him here, I I couldn't do that. But followingfilms.com, you know, uh, um, you know, we pinned it out before, you know, you find other shows as Mike's, uh, Mike's show is on there, War Machine versus War Horse, mine, Hydrate Level 4, uh, our good buddy Dave, uh, Pop Culture Case Study, and uh, Hyro and Barry over at True Bromance Film Podcast. But uh, on Hydrate Level 4, if you follow me on Twitter, uh, I don't do it every Friday, but maybe every other Friday, I do like a follow Friday kind of thing. And you guys are always included, too. So, yeah. yeah, anyone that follows me will, you know, can find you that way. But, again, check the show notes um, for easier access um, to to check that out. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we have anything planned uh, as far as, like, a upcoming original remake episode. But um, do you – I know you and I, we've discussed at least two, maybe even three possible pairings uh, in the future. And, you know, we'll go ahead and put it out now. Let's shoot for, like, maybe sometime in March. I know you mentioned that you'll have some time in March. Do you want to pick 
a pairing now just to throw out to kind of tease the listeners that uh, when you might be on next and what we might do. Now, you're talking about original remake or hydrate level? Original four? remake, yeah. So I, I would love to do uh, Star Trek The Wrath of Khan and uh, Star Trek Into Darkness. I don't think, strictly speaking, it's a remake, but it they is. did so many things. Yeah, <laughs> It is. That, Let's call it that. <laughs> yeah. Um, that one should be fun to uh, analyze, I guess you'd say. It, it's not, <clears throat> excuse me, it, it's not a remake in the sense that the director says it's not a remake, but it is. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it is. So we'll we'll go ahead and pin that. that that's when the, the next time you'll be on and it will be us two in March. So, um, okay. And uh, so, Seth, you know, th thank you again uh, for coming yeah. on the show. And we'll go ahead and end it there. And for those that uh, enjoyed you on here, we'll see you guys in March. Someday I'll have me a chauffeur And a block-long limousine EO-11 EO-11 Someday I'll have me a penthouse And stacks and stacks of folding green EO-11 EO-11 It's all a state of mind Whether or not you find That place down there or heaven